0: It's time for the VolQuest Podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Hey, good Tuesday morning, everybody. Welcome to the VolQuest Podcast, presented, as always, by our friends, Exterior Home Solutions, local and trusted since 1999. A free estimate today, you can give them a call at 865-524-5888, or visit Exterior Home Solutions online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. I'm Eric Kane, alongside Austin Price and Brent Hubbs. A lot to discuss here at the beginning of the week. Uh, but first, quickly off the top, a couple days to let it settle in. Brent Hubbs, uh, Tennessee going to the Citrus Bowl. First time since 2002. will take on an Iowa club that, in my opinion, Tennessee uh, matches up well against. Great defense, not so much offensively.
1: Yeah, a lot of people, I think, around the Tennessee program excited. Of course, there's a lot of ties to Orlando with the number of coaches that were down there at UCF that came with Josh Heupel. So a lot of family going to go get to see their friends. A lot of kids going to get to see their, their buddies that they went to school with. So uh, from a personal standpoint, there's a lot there that a lot of people like. I think Austin, for a lot of the players, it's something new. It's something different, which is not a bad thing as well. Um, and, and an opportunity for some young guys, depending on how Coach Heupel and his staff play it against what looks on the surface like it should be a solid matchup for Tennessee, an Iowa team that's good on defense, struggles on offense, and hasn't played the greatest schedule in the year, in in the world.
2: Yeah, I mean they, you know, they're ten and two. They've won ten football games. So if you're Josh Heupel and you can find a way to win this football game, you had a, a, another win over a ten win team. Um, you've gotten the nine wins and, and and twenty in the last two years. So it's an average of ten. Um, yeah, but this is an, an Iowa team that you said has not played a great schedule. Why? Because the Big Ten has their conference still lopsided. You know, now that'll change going forward with, you know, uh, Oregon and, and Washington and, and the UCLA and USC coming in. But, you know, for, for the last few years, that Wisconsin, Nebraska, Iowa side of the conference has always kind of been just kind of like it, the big 10 championship game is always kind of a dud because, you know, they don't ever end up with like two heavyweights and they're battling it out. There is no Alabama, Georgia in the big 10. No. So, um, Iowa's a team that again, as has won 10 games, you know, but, uh, they're by no means your normal ten-win team, and if Tennessee can score it all, you'd have to like their chances because Iowa, when they do win, they win it in a low-scoring, as Mark Packer would call it, a rock fight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the the Big Ten is they're ditching divisions as well, correct? I mean, the, once conference expansion happens, so again, that you won't see the the lopsided championship games in that conference. But Brent, I would say that if Tennessee gets this win in the uh, in the bowl game against Iowa, this would be. Kind of the signature win of the season, right? And again, we've talked about it. This is, you know, a win or a loss will not take away from what your season already was. But when you look at the wins on the schedule for Tennessee, you know, last year you had LSU, you had Alabama, you had Florida. This year you don't really have anything. This will still be a pretty good win to end the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't. You don't have a bell cow. Um, and, and I don't know that any Tennessee fan would see an Iowa win as a bell cow win. Um, I think that would be another game that, you were playing where you're a favorite. I think most people are are expecting you to win. Um, And and so I think people would view it as you went and got a good favorable matchup in the bowl game and took care of business and did what you needed to do. And I think that's the judgment of this season. I think when you look back on this year, uh, if Tennessee is able to beat Iowa in the bowl game, Austin, I think the judgment of this is they won the ones they were supposed to win. They won a toss up or two, and then they lost, they Lost half their toss ups, they, they went 50 50 in toss up games. Um, because I, I don't think many people expected them to beat Alabama and Georgia. So then you had a couple other toss up games Kentucky's won, they won that as a toss up game. Missouri, they didn't win. AM, they didn't win, or they did win, In Florida, they didn't. So they kind of split the toss up games, and that's where you're at at eight and four,
2: 100%. And uh, you know, again, I think when you look back at this season, they'll see it as a transitional year, which is probably what it always was. Um, you know, you hope to you know, you'd love to have that Florida game back. That's the one that just continually just bites you in the butt. Otherwise, you lost, you know, three three teams that were ranked in the top ten in uh, the CFP rankings. I mean, like, nobody's going to sneeze at that. I mean, you know, I I get, you know, people want to make fun of Missouri or Drinkowitz or whatever, but literally, you know, if they they can play any kind of defense at home against LSU, they win that game. They're 11-1, and they push Georgia and Athens. Yeah. they're a pretty good football team. And, uh, and let me
1: say, let me say this for Eli Drinkwitz, I think he's kind of kooky and awkward, but his his Connor Stallions line on <laughs> on the Television was was pretty was pretty good. I think we all had to get he, a chuckle out of that one,
2: right? He got Reese Davis good because Reese Davis did he not didn't know to him, and, and he's the one on camera. Again, I mean, I'm sure like the other guys are like, "Man, I'm glad I wasn't on camera for that," because you know <laughs> they were in stitches over there.
0: So Eli's batting what one for twenty in that regard in terms of jokes that weren't. Well, I mean that matter. was a good. One. Takes, I'm with you there.
2: Okay, and I tell, if, if the one is good enough, yeah, erases the other nineteen. <laughs> if the one is that great, it erases the other nineteen.
1: <laughs> and that one, was good.
0: That one was. was good. It was. It was yeah, man. I mean, it was. Fantastic. And uh, yeah, I mean he's he's obviously done a really good job this year with Missouri. And again, this is more of an off-season subject, but it's it's the way you lost these games: second half collapses at Alabama, second quarter Florida didn't show up against Missouri, just kind of is what it is. But at the end of the day, also, you said it on our little uh, reaction video the other day. It's if you would have said Tennessee was nine and three into the Citrus Bowl this year, you would have signed up for that every single day of the week. Turns out you were eight and four, still going to the Citrus Bowl. And again, it's a nice little reward and a chance to end the season on a high note that is kind of a transition year.
2: I mean, you go back, Hubbard. I mean, there are certain bowl games that Tennessee went to a few times or a handful of times, you know, over the years. And they have not been back to it in a long time. The Citrus Bowl was one of them. I mean, for all the jokes about you can't spell the Citrus without UT and all that stuff, like, Tennessee hadn't been there since the 0-2 game, so the 0-1 season. Tennessee's not been to the Sugar Bowl since 1991. Like, I mean, there are certain games where I think Tennessee fans are like, oh, man, I've not been there in a while. Let's go. Now, Orlando's a little different because enough families go to Disney and Universal and such. Um, but still, I think this is one that Tennessee fans could kind of get behind. I think they probably wish they had a little bit different opponent. Just because Iowa plays such a, you know, a, a, an off-brand of football, offensively they're just you know not very dynamic at all. Um, but hey, again, as you said to begin with, Hover and Eric too. Like Tennessee has got a real opportunity. The matchup favors them if they can come out and, and play their best football. I don't think Iowa can beat them.
1: Yeah, and and again, I mean, I think that. It's, and it's where it's supposed to be. I'm not criticizing any fan or anything like that because, um, you know, Tennessee, the, the Florida game and all those things. But, I mean, what, what a difference three years have made. I mean, it, it, you know, you, you go back three years, Tennessee would have crawled to Orlando to be in this bowl game, right? And, and so it's a credit to what this staff uh, and this program has done in a short period of time. And it's also part of because of what you did last year, that this feels like it's a bit of a disappointment. Had you done this in reverse, right? Had you went, yeah. you went Music City, Citrus to the Orange Bowl. The whole vibe is totally different, right? Yeah. It's like he's playoff team next year. Now it's like, oh, they took a step back. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it's a transition year. They gave a game. They gave a game away that they shouldn't have given away. Um, when you look at the, the the roster and where they are, but. Um, I I don't think that this is a year that everybody should just throw their hands up and and discuss and say, man, this was terrible. It wasn't what you had hoped overall, but it's still a solid year in year three as you build forward. Now, the question is, how do you build off of this? And how do you build out of this game? I think that's the biggest storyline with this game, Eric, is how does Tennessee approach it and how do they build in this game? Is it going to be about youth? And I'm not saying shelf the seniors. I'm not saying shelf the old players they deserve to, to have their opportunities and play in this game, but how much do you let this be about youth so that you can set a stage for yourself moving forward? Because I think that's what non-playoff bowl games ha- have morphed themselves into and should morph themselves into.
0: Yeah. And depending on what this roster looks like next month uh, with players going to the transfer portal and, you know, COVID seniors electing, will they play, won't they play, NFL opt-outs? It very well could be in certain positions, but a lot of a lot of use, and that kind of transitions us into our next uh, little segment here. I mean, the transfer portal is officially open. At the time of this recording, of course, it's going to be, you know, a mile a minute. Got to keep the head on the swivel, but you have three defensive backs who have already entered the portal, Brandon Turnage and Jack Luttrell, Warren Burrell. So, again, to, to your point, Hubber, um, like a guy like Ricky Gibson could potentially see a whole lot of snaps in this game because you're automatically down. Awesome, two two cornerbacks.
2: Yeah, I mean, any any better? I mean, like you know, um, you know, I think you want to see you know Christian Conner get some run. You, know, you want to see Jordan Matthews get some run. And I don't even mean in the game. I think sure if you get up big, um, you know, you, you you do that. I think ultimately you know you won't see them you know just go some wholesale youth movement. But you really want to spend the next you know handful of practices uh, and bowl prep really kind of, you know, kind of getting a jump start on spring practice, you know, because listen, if the Jordan Matthews and Christian Conyers and those type players are not helping you in twenty twenty four, then, you know, that, that that's not good as far as like the depth, the quality depth, the the future, because I think you've got to start transitioning. You can't just be a you know, a bunch of old guys out there, a bunch of fifth and sixth year guys out there. I think it's important to get John Slaughter some run, it's important, you know, to get Cam Seldon some run. Now, see, like that running back position is interesting me for me, guys, because you know Jalen Wright is, is, you know, going to announce he's going to go to the NFL here soon, and you know Jabari Small, I think, it's not going to play. I think he's going to opt out of the bowl game, and we'll see what he decides whether that's to go take a shot at pro ball or transfer somewhere else. Um, which means that you know Cam Seldon is going well get some real run in this game behind Dylan Sampson. You know, I, that, that's an interesting one. What does Joe elect to do? Does Joe elect to play? I, I don't think it's a laydown that Joe Milton plays in this game. I, e- even I, if it's even if it's hometown, AP? I don't think it's a laydown. I, I, exactly. You know, I, I, again, it's kind of like I've been saying about Cooper. Like, I don't think it's a laydown that Cooper Mays is just back. Like, I think it trends that way. Um, but I don't think it's a laydown that Joe Milton is – going to play in this in this in this bowl game i think that we might get the start of the nico era we'll see again i think that joe's got to make that decision for himself and i think the coaches would love to know that decision you know in in the next you know few days but i think this is a uh a decision that bears watching over the next week week and a half
1: yeah i think it's going to be i think it's going to be interesting at a lot of positions and it's not just about guys opting out or guys going but like a guy who's not healthy does he think hey i just I need to get well. And a guy like Gabe Judy Lally, what's he going to do? He's been bothered by his shoulder. Does he need all of the – how much time off does he need to help his shoulder to where he wants to get to go? I think there's some guys like that that bear watching in this day, in this thing too. So um, what this team looks like, Eric, in this matchup against Iowa is going to be fascinating. I don't think is going to have many opt-outs. Um, I, I don't. I don't. I think Iowa. What you see out of Iowa is probably what you're going to get out of Iowa for the most part. I think Tennessee could look very different on both sides of the ball depending on the decisions some guys make here.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And and Josh Heupel was kind of asked about that in his um, press conference the other day via Zoom when they announced the bowl destinations. Uh, kind of like, how quickly do you need to know? And he kind of danced around it a little bit and said, Well, I mean, it's a day by day thing. They're getting back information. He was very supportive, but. I mean, essentially, he didn't really have an answer for that. But it's, I mean, practice is starting, you know, right now. They've got, what, 15 practices, and a couple of those are going to be this week. They had a couple of young guys get some work in last week. So you'd like to have a really good idea of who your team's going to be that you're going to be suiting up and playing with. Um, Again, four players at the time of this recording uh, at the end of the portal already. You know, Brent or Austin, not to say like, all right, watch for this name or this name. You can if you want, but there are going to be some more, defectors to the transfer portal, probably some young guys who uh, were buried on this depth chart. I, I think we're gonna see a couple more as the week goes on and that shouldn't be a shock.
2: No, it shouldn't. Um, you know, again, like I think that every team in college football has got to uh, have some attrition to it. Um, you know, I mean, no offense to Warren Burrell or you know or Brandon Turnage, those are, those are great kids, you know, but if they're not going to be your starters, and I don't believe they were going to be, keeping them around as backups to me only stunts the growth of some younger players who need to be ascending into that spot. And if you're a coach, you want to be respectful of those older guys. They've kind of, you know, they've been there for you. They've done it the right way, but like, you know, Hey, if you guys you know, want to go play somewhere, probably is best that, you know, you, you take a look around because you're probably not going to play as much here next year. You were being respectful to those older veterans. So, um, you know, this is a, uh, a a team that's kind of trying to find their way over as far as balancing, keeping some of the old vets and yet pushing some of the new youth.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that's hard for coaches in general around the country, because I think the, the, the mindset of the coach is I want everyone. I want all of them. I don't want to lose anybody. Let's find a way to keep them all, you know, well coach you're talking about losing a a guy who's a three-year veteran and Well, we can't lose that. He's got experience, you know. Well, coach, if you don't do that, you may lose this young guy. We can't lose that. He's got a lot of talent. I think this is hard for coaches. And I think Tennessee is is in a place that's different than a lot of other schools because they have the 20 COVID guys out there. There's not a ton of schools out there that have this many guys who could make a decision to come back. So Tennessee, who was an old team, older team this year with a big gap, Right, it, it was a bunch of young player, first and second year players, and then a bunch of fourth year players, fifth year players. Now they may be a bunch of fifth and sixth year players and second year players. So I, I think that's an interesting situation that Josh Heupel and the staff is in to to figure out um AP exactly what you do, how you manage that. I, I think I don't know that there's many college head coaches prepared to manage this part of it which is why most NFL coaches aren't good GMs right this is hard well it is I mean because
2: you're right they all they want to keep them all I mean it's like um I take my kids trick-or-treating and you know at some place you know you just reach in the bucket you get what you want right and then there are some places inevitably that you know the little old lady's like got a Reese's cup a Kit Kat and a Twix and she's like now you all pick which one you want well my kids like all three, so they're like, "Well, I want them all," and Same. that's kind of how this is. I mean, like, you know, coaches, you know, they don't they don't want to lose anybody, you know, because even even the guys they don't think are going to be starters, they're like, you know, but it, it could, could be right. Be. You can twist it's an ankle, injury. Yeah. There's an injury. I mean, you know, no, you can't be that way. Like you, you, to me, it's kind of like if like Tennessee had okay, let's say, let's go with the safeties. Like if I'm Tennessee, like I bring one older safety back and then I'm pushing a younger one to be the starter, right? Like I'm not keeping everybody and keeping the young kid with talent buried makes no sense. And all you're going to do is uh, cause dissension. If you bring back the older guys and then the younger guy passes them by and you know, then you end up with an older guy that's pouting and you know, you
1: know all that stuff that you know you, you see from time to time. Yeah, it's not easy, Eric. It's just not. I mean, for coaches right now, you know, it, it's th- this is a really hard thing to do, and it's a hard thing to manage because you you do have so many options out there, right? I mean, there's there's some high school kids, you know, you have your young players, and you have portal guys, right? And and that portal guy's a dangling carrot right? Hey, there's an the experienced guy. I can go, I can go pluck. Can I go pluck one of these guys and bring him in here? Um, and there's been enough portal success around the country with guys that right now, the portal thing is, I mean, everybody's talking about Florida state right now, not, not, not about the playoff level, but I'm talking about what their roster looks like and how different they are because of what the portal meant. So what does every fan think out there? Let's go the Florida state route. You got to have the splash guys. You got to have the impact guys. Coach has got to figure out a way to manage all that, which is
0: not easy. Yeah, I mean, there's there's only so many scholarships th- to be had. And if you're at Tennessee, I mean, you're docking a couple because of, you know, the the past coaching uh, regime. So um, you want to have all the, I think, options, you know, this, as a coach, it's just, you know, what everybody wants. You want to have the option to play these young guys because you know, or these old but guys because you, you know have, where they're going to be.
1: You can have too many
0: options. Yeah. These
1: guys can have too many yeah, options. It's like – it's like going to the cheesecake factory too many options on the menu man you can get yourself
0: I mean, you, you've seen that uh, like i mean they were gonna play the two safeties each of the last two years but i mean you've seen that cornerback a couple times like really the last couple of years you've had so many different options it's like we'll just pick two so i just think coaches like to have that option but i agree too many options can be a bad thing and it could you know stunt the growth of your young guys that need to be getting those reps um, more on COVID seniors, some notes on some COVID seniors that could be making their way back to Rocky Top, plus some targets in the transfer portal. All that and more coming up next right here on the Quest Podcast. But first, a quick word from our friends over at Exterior Home Solutions. It's one of those phone calls that you hate to get from your kids. Hey, Dad, a tree fell on my house. Well, we got that call a couple of weeks back from our daughter at her house here. And the first call that I made was to Exterior Home Solutions. The peace of mind that they gave me and us as a family when they came out here and came up with a plan, got us connected with the right people, is absolutely priceless. Use the same people that I use. In that time of need, Exterior Home Solutions. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Yeah, for those listening, that phone number for Exterior Home Solutions, that is 865-524-5888. You get a free estimate today by calling 865-524-5888. Big thanks to our friends, Exterior Home Solutions. So we were talking about some veterans and, and, and wanting to push youth and all that type of stuff in relations to COVID seniors. A position group for Tennessee that you would Just welcome back. Anybody that wants to come back would be that defensive line because you like veterans at that spot, plus you play so many. Austin, you put some notes out on the board the last couple of days about some COVID seniors that, you know, might be trending like they're coming back towards Tennessee.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Omar Norman Lodge trending back. Um, Same thing with Big O. Um, I I, I think ultimately Elijah Simmons ends up back. Um, You know, the one that I think is going the more interesting ones is Tyler Barron. Like, I I think he exited Nealand. Thinking he's going pro, and now there's a lot of chatter, including chatter of him going into the transfer portal and playing somewhere else next year. So, um, you know that, that one, you know, it will be interesting to just kind of watch how it unfolds and develops. And, um, you know, I think Bryce and Eason will be back. And again, that's a that's a spot where you have, you know, David Hobbs, Tyree Weathersby, like you know, you, some of these younger guys that either played this year or would have played had he not gotten hurt, like Weathersby. They're going to be uh, bull in a China shop in spring practice, wanting to get out there and get going. So, um, you know, that defensive line spot, Rodney plays a lot of guys, and that helps him. You know, BJ plays a lot of young guys, that helps him. Um, kind of keeps those younger players hungry, uh, lets them kind of visualize and actually see some success. And uh, I think that uh, those two rooms are better off for it.
1: Yeah, and I think, but I think you also have to consider what do we always talk about in recruiting, or what do we talked about in, in recruiting? You always think two years ahead, right? Like, pre-transfer portal you're always thinking a couple years ahead you look at that room if all those guys come back austin where are you in 25 in that room? because none of those guys are going to be able to come back after the 24 season you don't have high school guys you mentioned a couple but you don't i mean nathan robinson's in there but i mean it's going to be a big year next year in high school recruiting for the defensive line because they haven't done well in the high school ranks this year in recruiting It also is going to mean that the portal for defensive linemen, I think, after the 24 season is going to be really big for Tennessee because you start thinking two years ahead, particularly with all these COVID guys, that 25 roster could have a major turnover. We thought it would be a major turnover in 24, but it may be the major turnover in 25 if a bunch of these guys are coming back.
2: Yeah, I mean, it it certainly could be. I mean, the biggest thing is why you got to keep bringing some of those younger players along because. It doesn't mean the bottom drops out. Like if you know, if, you know what you're describing is you know the, the bottom dropping out, and all of a sudden you're being left with you know the Will Smith, like
1: nobody's here in the room with me anymore. At um, the Fresh Prince, right? You know, I mean, like, I mean, but, like, but you don't want to be you don't want to be in a situation where you go from seven defensive interior guys to three, yeah. right? or seven to four, or eight to four. I mean, that that's my point. It's not the bottom dropping out, but your numbers could be really, could, could put you in a really tough spot because of what your your signing class looks like right now at the defensive tackle position.
0: W- w- look at offense though, Um, kind of on that note, the bottom could drop out this off season or maybe next off season, depending on how many of those guys look to return. I mean, guys who could leave right now, Cooper Mays, Dane Davis, John Campbell, Javante Spragans, Gerald Menzi is a redshirt junior. I mean, that's that's a lot of players. You think you're going to get some of those guys back, right? Um, at least you hope, but say a lot of those guys come back, and then next year they all have to leave. There's not, like at least on the defensive line, you got some young guys that have gotten some PT that you feel good about, that you like. On the offensive line, Austin, th- those young guys really hadn't seen any action at all. You no, know, but you got bodies.
1: You just don't know if they can play because you've no. made that decision. And at least Rodney's made it and made a decision to see where some of his guys are. You've got bodies on the O-line AP, but you don't know what they can do at this point.
2: That's correct. I mean, you know, before the end of the before the last game where Addison Nichols was forced to play because of injury um to Cooper, which slid Ollie back to center. I mean Parker Ball had almost as many snaps as 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 Addison Nichols. And Addison Nichols was your most promising lineman um you know and now he's you know you know going to be portal portal bound you know you've got you, you've got uh, mo clipper who has already announced he's going to go to the portal um you've got multiple uh linemen that to me could still end up there again like that that's a real that's a point of contention for me just because like you know you're not real deep there you know your scheme has allowed you to have success however but like you know the the wrong or right injury or whatever could really debilitate uh, that room quite a bit.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And, and look, I mean, you got a young quarterback next year, so you need those veterans to come back to help him out, but you have got to force feed young linemen into football games when the opportunity presents itself. And this has been my soapbox for three years. They don't force feed and put the young guys in there as early as they should. There you go. For whatever reason, that hurts and stunts the development of growth of young players. And I think it's more on the offensive side of the ball than it is even on the defense. Cause of what you're talking about, AP with linebacker and defensive lineman. Now in the secondary, they haven't done enough of that, but look on the offensive side, right? I mean, it took injury or fear of guys leaving to get Caleb Webb and Nimrod on the field against UTSA. They didn't, they didn't play very much against Virginia or against Austin P in those first couple of games. Ethan Davis basically was a factor in one game this year for Tennessee. And that, and that's it. We've talked about the young linemen out there. I don't think they were, I think they missed some opportunities to get Nico on the field earlier than what they could, what they did get him on the field. I think that's something they they have to make a very clear-cut, conscious decision to alter that moving forward for the development of the program and to continue to be upgrading the roster through development.
2: Yeah, on the defensive side, it's defensive line and linebackers do a really good job of rotating. On the offensive side, it's running backs. Mm-hmm. The running backs, they rotate, you know, they get guys in, you know, and so like that, I don't think you see quite the same stunted growth that you see. And they're, they're so thin at receiver this year, they were forced to basically play everybody, right, outside of Nathan Leacock, um, you know, but – you know, in a perfect world, if Tennessee was deeper, I mean, would you have saw Nimrod and Webb? I'm going to go no.
0: I'll say no. Like,
2: well, I mean, we've yeah. seen
0: three receivers play, well, four last year because of injury. We've seen three receivers play typically since Josh Hopple's tenure has been here. And then now because of the Ced- Cedric Tillman injury in 22 and because of Dante Thornton and, of course, Brew McCoy, you had to see it this year. So yeah. I, I'm with you. I would, I would say probably not. And then at running back this year, you were so loaded – Man, I think we'd all like to see Cam Seldon a little bit, but it's like, I mean, there's no, there's hardly any snaps for Dylan Sampson who deserves yeah. to play. So, but you did see him though in, in blowout situations. Cam Seldon was able to get into yeah. games.
1: Yeah, they, they, were. I mean, I mean, look at the receiver spot. I mean, when they moved Thornton outside, I mean, Caleb Webb's snaps went basically to nothing. Right. I mean, and so it's just one of those deals where I think they have to be more mindful of that when the opportunity presents itself. They have got to get those guys in to help them develop um, and 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 grow moving forward. And I know practice. I mean, you you learn on the practice field. And everything. The game reps are game reps, and they're still very val. And they're and they're they're so valuable. I just think Tennessee can do a better job of that. That's been my soapbox, and I'll stay on it for a while. I'm afraid.
0: Just saw Ken Seals of Vanderbilt just pop up on that screen. It could be worse. You could have three quarterbacks into the portal and be left with nobody at a position, much less. The quarterback position.
1: Well, and I think, you know, Eric, I think you're, and I know you got another topic to get to here, but I think you bring up an interesting point when we've seen uh, and Austin jump in here too. You've seen schools like NC state lose 12, 13 players, and you've seen some other places around the country that have lost a whole bunch of players. We had this question on the, on the rewind Sunday night, what's the over under on guys going in? And, and, And I mean, look, Tennessee doesn't have they don't have this huge run of guys going in right now. Why? Well, I think people like it here. I think this is a program they enjoy being a part of, which gets back to the challenges for the coaches because Tennessee is not dealing with some of the things that they're dealing with at some other schools. Tennessee's NIL program is is solid and sound and has been on the up and up with everybody, so nobody feels like they've been you know, mistreated there like you've seen at some other places. Wow. They have funds to contribute to people, AP. I mean, they're solid in a lot of different places, which is why kids like to be here.
2: Yeah, not everybody's happy with you know with, with what they get paid, but that's at any school, right? I mean, everybody always wants more. That's but not a school. Is, that's in every profession out there. What Whatever. whatever the, the biggest thing is, and you've seen this with, with several schools when kids have not gotten payment. The biggest thing about Tennessee is is nobody at Tennessee has failed to get payment. Like whatever they've agreed to put on NIOIs, they've gotten that payment, right? And, and that – and that, that's where that's weight in gold, whereas in a lot of schools you've seen kids or you hear the stories um, behind the scenes of kids who, you know, were told they were going to get this and they didn't and so on and so forth.
0: So we'll see how this kind of shakes out, not just this week, but over the coming weeks. Um, COVID seniors, what do they like their decisions to do? How many more defectors could you see from Tennessee's roster? You'll see a couple more for sure, um, you know, over the week to the transfer portal and all that. Let's go to recruiting here. Signing days a couple couple of weeks away. Uh, you had Roger Saliapunga that picked Oregon over Tennessee at tight end. You have Jonathan Eccles in this class currently committed. Of course, Tennessee's targeting a couple of transfers from the portal, Austin. Um, but what does Tennessee do at tight end right right now? At least at the high school ranks.
2: Well, I think in a perfect world you'd love to add one from the portal, two from the high school ranks. The problem is I'm not sure that's going to play out that way. We'll see what happens with Cole Harrison. Tied in from California. Does he make it out here for an OV in the next week or two? Um, and does Tennessee like to go that route? Uh, Tennessee will host Justin Jolie, the UConn tight end who went in the portal on Monday. They'll host him coming up this weekend. Um, he's excited for the game or for the uh, the uh, not the game but the uh, the visit here. Um, enjoyed uh, the game um, when Tennessee you know played UConn.
0: I'm sure he um, did.
2: You know, <laughs> <laughs> up, up there, uh, you know, during, during the month of November um and then you know tennessee's gonna continue to look at you know the young man out of notre dame um you know holden is a really good player um you know kind of you know you know i like guess shared time this past year from westminster uh, high school down to atlanta same high school the, the kansas city kicker uh, harrison butker um you know tennessee's you know gonna be and try to be in play there i would say he'll probably visit whether it be this week or next I'm still working on lining some of that stuff up. Um, but the tight end spot's important because Tennessee needs bodies. They have Ethan Davis and um, Ethan Davis. So, like, you know, like I mean, at this point, like, Rob's not on this podcast. It may be because he's trying to bulk up and give it a run to play tight
1: end for the Vols. I, I like you know the Jolie kid everybody saw, so Tennessee fans are certainly in love with him because of what he did in Neyland Stadium. I do like the fact that he's got multiple years of eligibility back. Yeah, um, Both of them. And I think that's important. I'm not saying you don't go get a grad transfer, but if you can get a guy with multiple years, what you're trying to do to me, assuming those guys aren't going to go pro after one year here at Tennessee, Austin, I think you're trying to get something to where you're not in this same cycle every year at that position where you are in a paramount must have get at that position because you just don't have enough bodies to line up, which was the case this past year, which is why they went and got castles who turned out fine for Tennessee. He did a good job, but you want to get a multi-year guy to me, if you can get that to build a little depth and start to develop that room a little bit.
2: Yeah. I mean like in a perfect world, you'd love to bring in two, but I just don't think that's possible. Because, I mean, ultimately, you love Ethan Davis. You think he is the star at the position, the next, you know, the next bright star at the tight end spot at Tennessee. And that's how the staff thinks of him. If you bring two guys in, does it rock the boat with a guy like that? Like, I think that's something you have to think about when you're talking about managing the roster. And, Hubs, you were talking about that earlier. That's right. Um, that That's something you have to think about. Like, you know, you bring in two players that are going to come in and expect to play. It's the same reason I asked the, you know, the person on the board um, on Monday, like, you know, what, what possesses you to ask about Dylan Gabriel? Like, I mean, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck, but, like, Dylan Gabriel wants to play. You know, you everybody wants Nico. This is Nico's show. You're not going to get a Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel's not coming here to sit. So, like, you know, like, uh, same thing here. Like, these players, you know, coming from Notre Dame and UConn aren't transferring to watch from the sidelines. And Ethan Davis isn't planning on watching from the sidelines either. <laughs> so, I mean, like – there's only so many spots to go around which what which is why i say one
1: transfer if you could get two high school kids that would be ideal i'm just not sure i agree with you 100 i agree with you 100 it's the same answer i had for somebody on the board eric about the, the linebacker position they were talking about taking a, a, a transfer linebacker if keenan Peeley's back um which I, we believe he's going to come back you're done at linebacker because you don't want to rock that boat with those young guys and and their development and and where they are and have those guys leave i mean again, you've got to be thinking two years down the road. Fans don't, but everybody in that building has to be thinking two years. You can't just think this immediate moment, put your, you know, kind of put your blinders on and get lost in the forest for 12 games the next year. Cause you got to think about what your roster is going to look like in 25. You don't want to have a turnover of 30 or 40 guys every year. You know, I mean, you, you, you've got to be in a situation where um, You've got some depth that you can develop from that standpoint. If you think Nico is who you, you think he is, right? You want to surround him, and this goes defensively too. But you want to surround him with as many quality players as you can. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I agree with that, but not at the not at the standpoint that. A bunch of young players you think are going to be quality players aren't going to be here for you in twenty five.
2: No, 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 no. No, my, my, no, no. That's my point though. Is you got to think about Nico? Okay, he's the starter next year, but he's also a starter in twenty five. I'm I'm backing your point up. Like like you want guys that can be here with Nico for more than just one year. That's that's right. I'm agreeing with you. I got you. Okay,
0: yeah, I, wasn't, and, uh, I wasn't like confused. Like, like back to linebacker. I mean, if Keenan Peely returns, I mean, that that's your transfer. I mean, it just, he played one game for you. It's essentially rinse, repeat. That's your transfer you're getting in. You're, you're old guy in the room. And if I'm fans, man, I'm excited to see Jeremiah Teeland or Arian Carter play some more. Let's see what Jalen Smith can do. He's going to redshirt this year. Uh, You know, Jordan Burns coming in. I mean, you've got you got some talent in that room and they play and you got to see, you know, how good can they be this time next year? So you pair that with a veteran and Keenan Peely who you want to stay healthy. Um, You feel pretty good about that spot uh transfer portal window officially open we'll continue to track it so we got the transfer portal tracker up on the site you can see who Tennessee's interested in who Tennessee's offered who what players from the current roster have left all that and more do want to end the show right now and knowing that at the time of this recording things can always change um but uh interest level how real is it you know we've talked about on the board a little bit but um AP MTSU is looking for a head coach and we've seen two names that are currently on Tennessee staff kind of be linked to that I think Tim Banks is more real than Jerry Mack but you know at the time of this recording, how do you how how real do you think that could be? I think it's very
2: real. Um, I think it's very real with Tim Banks and MTSU. Uh, Jerry Mack never talked to MTSU, so um, I think people just threw his name out there, but he he actually never spoke with anybody at MTSU. Um, but uh, Tim Banks, Huber, I believe, uh, um,
1: is someone that uh, you know has a lot of interest from the Blue Raiders yeah no doubt and you know i think the question is where does tim banks feel like the the job would be and the opportunity is it a, is it a situation where you can go in there and be successful or is it a situation where you don't think it's a job that uh presents opportunities for for success you know where are they with their commitment to football where are they financially with that commitment um you know what's just what would your staff budget look like i mean when you're going into those head coaching situations, particularly your first time, you, you want to get off on a place that gives you a real chance to win. And that's, I think that's, that's where I'm impressed with a guy like Jamie Chadwell, right. And some of these guys that are very calculating in their moves and what they do, they don't just jump on the first thing to put themselves in a situation that, Hey, I've stunted my opportunity as a head coach. And Um, I think that's something you have to look at if you're Tim Banks and and you have to be mindful of. I mean, one of the things that attracted Alex Golish to South Florida was the facility commitment that they made. Now, they've got to get their NIL and there's still some things, but at the level they're playing at, their input in football with creating their own stadium and creating their own brand down there showed Alex Golish they're all in for football. That They're in to make that place better and to get it to where they want to get it to. Where is MTSU at from that financial commitment, I think is a question that if I'm Tim Banks, I'm doing a ton of research on before uh, I go down that road if that job offer is presented to me.
0: Something else to track over the crazy months, uh, month of December, the first couple of weeks of December, and we got it all for you right here at VaultQuest.com. Appreciate you guys for listening to us. This is the Exterior Home Solutions VaultQuest podcast. Give them a call today for a free estimate, 865-524-5888. They're local. They're trusted since 1999. Exterior Home Solutions. A big thank you to them. For Awesome Price, Sprint Hubs, I'm Eric Kane. Thanks so much for listening to us here on the BallQuest Podcast. You've been listening to the BallQuest Podcast every week here on BallQuest.
2: Plus.